as much as I have plowed forward with my life and I have created amazing friend relationships and had family and friends around me my whole life and, and all those great connections and built a business and had a career. In the back of my mind, there was always that, oh, when you get married, if you get married, oh, when you're a mom, you know, when you have kids. So that was, that's, that's in your mind all the time. It's just the culture, it's what you're around. And it, it took a while after calling that wedding off and realizing, oh, not when or if. It's like, hey, that's not your life. And you will need to find happiness again in being single. When I was in my mid-30s, I, I, I found this piece of being single and I was happy. And I was fine with where my life was. And after I dated and had this experience, was engaged and called it off and my life had changed, you know, six, seven, eight years later, I still have not found that peace again. And I'm working on it. And I think, oh, I, I found that peace. I was happy with this situation at one point. How do I get there again? Episode number 513 of The Cultural Hall. I can hardly believe it. As we've had the opportunity to go through some of our archives, we're calling it the Back Row Catalog. Uh, I've been able to see some of the guests that we've had over the 10 years that we've been doing The Cultural Hall. If you're new, welcome. You've got a lot of catching up to do. If you are an old-timer, thank you so much for being around. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, I encourage you to do so. We might be putting the focus back on the uh, lifers and converts. Lifer meaning you've listened to every single episode and convert meaning you're new. Uh, there is an opportunity for you to be able to go back into that back row catalog uh, if you become a Patreon saint of the cultural hall. Patreon.com forward slash The Culture Hall gets you access to all of the numbered episodes that we've ever recorded, including a lot of great special episodes, and uh, it gets you the opportunity to be a part of the secret but not sacred Facebook group where everyone's talking about the episodes, hanging out, and having a good time. Now, Patreon.com forward slash The Cultural Hall if you want to be a part of that. Uh, you can also find The Cultural Hall Back Row. That's a much larger but free group uh, where people are having similar conversations, not as easy of access to be able to get to those old episodes. And of course, you're not a part of that secret, but sacred or secret, but not sacred Facebook group. Uh, you can also follow us just on a regular page at the cultural hall where we share news and articles and memes and that stuff. You can find us on Twitter. We have a tweet of the day. You can find that there. Uh, you can find us on Instagram as well as Pinterest or, or just a good old fashioned website, the cultural hall com. If you're going to become a Patreon saint, I meant to mention this and I didn't, um, be sure that you do it before the end of the month because you'll be able to save some money. That is, if you want to do the annual membership, uh, that's going to go away at the end of this month. Uh, also, someone encouraged me to make a third tier uh, for the uh, Patreon saints. We have the... Um, $5, we have the $10, so I'm playing around with what a, a third tier might look like. Um, I just encourage you to stay, stay, stay close. Hang tight, if you will. Uh, listen to this episode. I want to give a special shout-out uh, to Tara Bench Teaspoon uh, for her vulnerability as she talks about being a single individual in the church and what that means and what that feels like and what that looks like and all of the things. I think you're going to enjoy this episode of The Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall, and I'm joined in this episode with Tara Teaspoon, which I, you know, I wonder if that's a naming thing at Ellis Island. Like if your family were bakers or something like that, it was a name that was assigned when you came across. Tell me a little bit about who Tara Teaspoon is. I've got to think that's not real. I love it. I, yeah, or we were cooks. And, yep. and they, you know, Tara Teaspoon is my brand name. It's my nickname. So I, uh, I got it from a friend. She said, hey, you're short and you're not big enough to be a tablespoon and you cook. So we're going to call you Tara Teaspoon. Hmm. Okay. So and so... It stuck many years later when I started my own business. Uh, that's that's the name it got. But yeah, people call me that. Yeah, well, and I and I wondered because uh, your actual name and people who are watching this as part of our Patreon group, they'll see that your Zoom says it's Tara Bench. 
And I, I saw that you were interviewed as Tara Bench, and then I started listening. I'm like, oh, this is Tara Teaspoon. And suddenly my mind was blown. <laughs> it is. Same person. Like a Clark Kent thing. It's the glasses. You put take the glasses off, and then all of a sudden, not Tara Teaspoon. Although I will ask you this. Uh, you said it's kind of my brand. Do you ever feel a little, like, uh, pretentious or, like, when you say, oh, it's my brand or I'm producing yes. content? Oh my gosh. It, and I'll tell you, it took me years to even admit I was a food blogger or had a website online. I, you know, I, my professional career has been in magazines and I was a food editor mm -hmm. and I was perfectly happy with that little title. And when the magazine I was working at closed ladies home journal, I, it was this time when you kind of had to be online. You kind of had to be this person. I couldn't just put some recipes up online and people would come. I had to be a brand. Mm -hmm. And it took me several years to wrap my head around that and say, okay, that that's okay. And I can do this. I still don't like it. I don't like <laughs> public spotlight. I don't like any of that. So yeah, it's just words I throw around, Richie. No, no, listen, I absolutely love it. And similarly struggle with when people are like, oh, that's a great brand you've created. I'm like, yeah, it's not, listen, I, I appreciate that you would call it that. I do not look at it like that. I look at it like things that will help people and, you know, maybe make life easier or have difficult discussions that people aren't having. But brand, okay, if you want to call it a brand. Now, you sort of wash over this, uh, but you talk about, oh, yeah, I just was a food editor at some magazines. I mean, let's let's open that up a little bit because these are these are some big deals. Well, thanks. I, I did. I have had some big deals in my career and it's been awesome. I uh, studied at BYU and Utah State. Oh my and gosh, BYU? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, I'm, I'm Mormon, so uh -huh. it's, uh -huh. weird, you know. I, I see, and I'm just a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, so. oh, okay, right. Yeah, you got me there. Um, <laughs> so I did, an, I had to do an internship after school, and luckily, I mean, long story short, I got an internship at Martha Stewart Magazine. Okay, hold on. You can't make York. it, you can't make it that short. <laughs> Like, you know, I had to intern and that was it. So, you know, Martha was like, hey, Tara, you want to come out to New York and do this? There's got to be something more to it than that. Uh, there was. It was, um, I was in culinary arts. That's what my major was at Utah State. And most of my uh, fellow students wanted to be chefs and work at restaurants or go into catering. And I loved to cook, but I didn't want to work in those professions. How come? And so, well you're working when people are playing, right? Hmm. It's like the opposite. I wanted to cook professionally, but I didn't want to be running a restaurant and working at night and having that lifestyle. It's mm -hmm. just, it wasn't for me, but I loved cooking and creating and being creative in the kitchen. So I, I thought, Hey, I really want to make a career out of this. What, what could it be? And I had discussions with my professors and culinary teachers and finally said, Hey, listen, I love food magazines. I love food and wine. I love Sephora. I love all these food magazines. Who makes the food in those <laughs> magazines? And this was, you know, over 20 years ago. And they were like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I said, somebody's got to make the food that shows up in these magazines. So come to find out, you know, magazines have test kitchens and I wanted to work in a test kitchen. That's what I figured out. So I needed to do that internship to finish my studies called every magazine with a test kitchen in the country yeah. and said, can I be your intern? And they're like, who is this? And you're like, yeah. Tara. Uh, no, thanks, Tara. We're fine. Yeah, they We're said, good. where did you go to school? Utah, what? Yeah. So I will tell you, Martha Stewart Magazine, the test kitchen director, she was the only one that said, well, you can come out and interview and we'll see. Mm -hmm. So I did. I flew out to New York, wasn't finished with school quite yet and interviewed. And I had to do a cooking interview. Oh, geez. So yeah, it was scary. Yeah, no I, big deal. <laughs> right? Uh, not only do you have to sit in front of somebody and talk, but then you have to cook. So I I did. I did my little culinary school skills, you know. What did you make? Recipes. Oh, gosh. I made, they asked me to make a three-course meal. Uh -huh. So I had practiced it, and I made some, like, teriyaki glazed salmon <laughs> and taro chips and I don't even remember what. Something fancy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A culinary student would be like, I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so she wasn't super impressed, although I, I guess impressed enough that uh, she said, okay, you know, we'll take a chance on you. Oh, wow. So after school that May, 
I, 10 days later, I flew to New York and moved to New York and started my internship at Martha Stewart magazine. And it was the hardest, scariest. It was just, it was hard. I cried every night after work. Hmm. It was this new experience, huge city. I knew no one. I had no friends. I was sleeping on a sleeping bag in, on the floor of an empty apartment, you know, like just, it was, it was a rough start, but it, it went well. I met friends at church, friends at work, things, you know, really turned around after a few months and I, I loved it. That's now, what got me in the magazine. Now, so many people, not necessarily will be trying to, to do a, you know, food kitchen tester or anything like right. that, but they'll, they'll have their dreams. They'll have their passions and they have that pivotal moment where they either decide to keep calling until they find that one test kitchen person that will accept them or not pretty hard. You'd been told no a lot. How did you push through all those no's and then even arriving in New York and crying yourself to, to sleep every night? Like that, that to me sounds like where most people would have been like, yeah, dream over. I'll go back and do other thing. You know, I think I, maybe I'll chalk it up to being, you know, 21, 22 and just not knowing any different. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think it was just, hey, this is the adventure I'm on now. And I don't know what the future will bring. I just kind of did one step in front of the other. And I did. I got a lot of no's. I mean, like a lot. There's a lot of magazines with test kitchens that I called. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I'm a spiritual person. And I really do think that uh, I was guided and I was given that strength to just say, okay, one more call. Okay, you got it. This is scary, but take that step. And yes, you're crying, but you know what? You have your family. Mm -hmm. They'll, They'll talk to you on the phone till you stop crying and you know just kind of all of those little helps and people and situations that moved you forward what did family think about it they think you're crazy well here's the thing they really encouraged it um my family we lived overseas when i was young hmm. and both my parents have a sense of adventure obviously and so they encouraged that they were like oh new york adventure time awesome <laughs> Really, and they'll tell me this. They didn't think I would stay for over 20 years. They're like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't have said that. (laughs) But um, they really encouraged it. And so I think I had that motivation and that comfort of like, yeah, this is is cool. This is fun. And you don't know what's coming next. So it's uh, you take one step at a time. So people obviously have figured it out that, you know, with you staying in New York for 20 years, that something sort of worked out after that internship with Martha Stewart. Give us a little kind of rundown of, of career to this point. Uh, yes, it man, it's been uh, lots of steps. So as an intern, they trained me in everything I was supposed to do at that magazine mm-hmm. in the test kitchen. I learned so much and they ended up hiring me. So I stayed at Martha Stewart for about six years mm. and moved my way up, you know, the, the ladder. I became a senior food editor and then she went to jail. And so I decided to leave. <laughs> You're <laughs> no, like, um, the future of this company may be a little <laughs> iffy. I might want to get out for a little bit. Was it that conscious of a choice? No, it actually, I, it just changed. Work changed, business changed. Sure. And I got a new boss, you know, that came from TV because they were shutting parts of the business down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I had hit that ceiling where I wasn't going anywhere else at Martha Stewart. Mm -hmm. I had learned everything I'd done as much as I could, but it was so comfortable because that was my first job. I knew everything about it. I was super comfy. And so I didn't want to take that jump into the unknown. I didn't want to leave and start something new. So I stayed and it got really miserable. You know, it's work politics and all of that. But I think it was, Heavenly Father just telling me like, hey, I'm going to kick you out. Yeah. It's going to get really bad and you're going to want to leave. And I finally did. I said, hey, this work environment, this experience is not good. I'm out. So I left not knowing what I would do. And I ended up freelancing or consulting mm-hmm. and doing food styling for photography and uh, you know, developing recipes for different brands and loved it. And did that for a few years until Ladies Home Journal magazine came and said, hey, you know, we've got this uh, food director position. Mm-hmm. Would you like to come and and step in? So that took me to Ladies Home Journal. And I loved it. Ladies Home Journal. I don't know. Your grandma probably read it. I'm telling you. <laughs> but it was this 130-year-old magazine. Wow. And it had such a legacy. Mm-hmm. And it was all about helping 
families cook, helping women learn skills and homemaking skills and all that. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just had a passion for it and, and I stayed there for quite a few years until they closed. Yeah. So that magazine is no longer. Yeah. Some people listening to this are like, what's a magazine? And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. well, there used to be this thing that wasn't online. Eh, forget it. You know what? It's yeah, not it's coming a, back. It's a podcast. You flip through yeah. pages, look at pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and so then that brings us through that. So then what? Yeah. So then that magazine closed. And that was, again, not quite my decision. I was yeah. super comfy. Suddenly, I'm like uh, on my own again. And I went back to consulting and freelancing and realized, you know, by that time, blogs were a thing. Mm -hmm. The wet, you know, internet was, social media was out, internet was out. And that had really changed my, my business, my field of work. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of had to learn all these new skills. You know, at the magazine, I was a print editor mm -hmm. and we had a web department that I would just say, here, put this on Pinterest. Yep. I had no idea how to put things on Pinterest, how to build a website, anything about all that. So it was a handful of years that I was teaching myself all of that and creating a place online where I could continue to share my recipes and my expertise and my tips. And it became teraspoon.com. I, like I said, I fought it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, I thought, oh, I'm just going to put some recipes on yeah. a website. <laughs> it's, it's just a recipe website. I am, and, I am not a content creator. Yes. I will not be a food influencer. Don't put those labels on me. I'm, it's just some recipes. It's just some things I'm doing. It's just, yes. Isn't know. that funny how we avoid labels sometimes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, I don't know why, yeah. but it, it did take me a while to say, hey, I, this could be my business. I can monetize this. I can work on this and become good at it. And I, was, I can cook with my eyes closed. So I was like, hey, why learn something new? Yeah. But I had to, I had to dig in. And now I know things like SEO and, <laughs> you know, backend website stuff that I'm like, what? Yeah. So anyway, it's just a learning experience. I want to take a break real quick. And when we come back, I want to pick up some of the risks and challenges that maybe you faced over the years as you get to be where you are today. We'll come back and we'll do that in the second block of the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. A busy full summer from Best DJ in Utah. Go to BestDJinUtah.com. Why, that is me, Richie T, and I would love to be able to play music at your upcoming wedding or maybe you're having a company party, or maybe you're thinking already for the holiday party, whatever it is that's on your schedule, you should get the number one highest rated DJ for the state of Utah. Now, I know you're thinking, I don't even live in Utah, Richie. Would you ever do an event in Washington State? Oh, I've already done that before. Would you ever do an event in California? Been there too. How about Louisiana? Uh-huh. Texas? Yes. Point is, uh, you know, you, you throw shekels my way. I'll come to wherever you're at. We could even combine it and make it an episode of the cultural hall mind blown if you are in need of a dj at all or someone in your families get married would like to be able to talk to me i would love to be able to talk to them it's best dj in utah.com hey this is dan the laptop man from pc laptops i know we're going through a lot right now many states are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely one of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly one with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, if you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, 
We've arranged with some banks to offer 12 months special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now because at PC Laptops, we're here for you and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, as we talk with Tara Teaspoon Bench, is how I'm going to continue to refer to her. Ah, you know what? We'll give her the brand, Tara Teaspoon. Uh, remember that you can become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. You just go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall, and you get to be a part of that secret but not sacred Facebook group. Uh, a lot of great people there having great discussions about all of the things behind the scenes of the episodes, and you get to see the video. That is the only way that you get to see. The fine, I'm guessing, kitchen that Tara is in right now? Yes. Identified the right room. Uh, you can only do that if you are a Patreon saint. It's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. So here is what I love about your story and why I wanted to be able to chat. It's lots of scary things that I think a lot of people can apply to their own lives. Not that we're all going to become these food stylists or consultants or anything like that, but it's, hey, God decided that this job is over, so now you're going to do something else. Hey, this really difficult thing with a whole bunch of web stuff or, you know, insert whatever web stuff would be for anyone else, you're going to have to learn how to do that in order to sustain yourself. So I want to get more into the risk, the challenge, the overcoming, the faith to be able to push through it. And you can pick that up wherever you'd like. Well, thanks. Yeah, I I have the enough years behind me that I really can look and say, hey, hindsight is 2020. Mm-hmm. And, and literally now we can say that we, yeah. we live 2020. But um, 2020, having that hindsight, having that experience to look back on, that's where I feel like you you start to learn, right? Mm-hmm. You, when, when you're in the middle of, of that ride, it's uh, hard to see where, where it's leading to what, you, what you're supposed to learn, what you are going to gain from this really hard situation. Yeah. And honestly, looking back, I look at it as, you know, when you're riding a stationary bike and mm-hmm. it's got a flywheel on it, mm-hmm. and man, it is so hard to get that spinning wheel to start going mm-hmm. and you work and you work and then once that flywheel starts spinning whoo you are coasting right <laughs> it is easy but if you if you give up if you stop pedaling and be like i'm just gonna ride for a bit mm-hmm. then it gets hard again yeah and i look back at my life and i think you know i kind of did that i kind of got into situations where i just thought hey i, I got this i'm gonna coast for a while you know, this is what the rest of my life is going to look like. Piece of cake. I've gone through some hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that moment where I'm like, hey, I'm comfortable. I'm going to just step back for a while and not really pursue and learn and drive myself. That's where I find new challenges. Mm-hmm. And it, the pedaling starts to get a little harder and you have to shift gears. You have to like work and look at look back at your life and think, okay, I can look and see what that hard thing, where it led me. And I wouldn't have made that choice on my own had I not been through that painful experience or that hard experience or that challenging situation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's been my career and, and I think personal life as well. So really now when hard things happen, I think, okay, keep pedaling. I can do this and I'll get to the other side and I'll see where it leads me. And I've learned I, I don't want to... Uh, make so many choices in my life that I, it's very narrow. Mm-hmm. I want to keep opportunities open. I want to keep my eyes open to different directions. I didn't know I was going to be running an online business mm-hmm. six years ago. Sure. I didn't want to. <laughs> and so, you know, it, I dragged my feet. And so my business grew much slower than it could have had I not said, oh, new opportunity. Yeah. Let me dive in. Let me see what I can learn really fast. So, you know, I just learned things like that along the way. Do you have fear with it though? Oh, yes. Yes. And I don't like to live with fear. And mm-hmm. and I've worked really hard the last few years to say, ooh, that's a feeling of fear. Let me see how I can sort of change that feeling and look at it as an opportunity or as an experience so that that fear's gone. I don't like fear. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about comfortability as far as personal life goes. So we're diving in, Tara. Here we go. <laughs> do it. How, how do you make yourself uncomfortable personally? Like we're taking job aside. Maybe we make ourselves uncomfortably, uncomfortable spiritually or personally within our relationships. How have you done that? Or how has God that done that for you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think a little of both, right? We totally get ourselves in messes and we're like, oh, I did that. Yeah. Um, I lots, all of that, Richie. Mm-hmm. I I mean, spiritual, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows, callings that challenge me, that I learn from, you know, lack of that connection with God. And so you kind of have to start over and say, okay, new, new situation here. And I've had all of that. And also personal life. I mean, I'm in my mid forties and single. So mm-hmm. I've had some good relationships and bad. I called a, a wedding off a few years ago and that's oh, been a super painful experience. And you have to learn from that. You, you know, you, you kind of say, all right, what's, what's next? So yes, I think everyone's got personal things and family sadnesses and grief and pain. And I've definitely had those along the way. So it's, it's learning. That's part of the hindsight. But we don't talk about it, Tara. Not it's, a lot. Not, no. not, not in the church, certainly, right? Like we sort of group it in this, almost in this category of like past transgressions, right? Not necessarily that any of those things are sins or transgressions, but we just sort of lump it in the, that big category of, well, we can't talk about the hard things. It's the now. I want to be hopeful. I'm looking on the bright side and everything, you know, that we... Well, that, yeah, that keeps us going. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think our culture says, hey, do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and you're going to get blessings and it's going to be happy. But what we don't, like you said, what we don't talk about is we are a church that believes in a gospel of trials Mm -hmm. and learning experiences. And I think it was elder Maxwell that said, you know, you can't say, Hey, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to achieve and become godlike, but make it easy. Yeah. No, we say, Hey, we want these challenging experiences. We want to learn and grow and we understand it's going to be rough. So what kind of challenges, uh, if you're willing to go here, are, are posed by being a mid, mid-single, mid 40 single lady? Yeah, yeah. Um, you name it. Let's yeah. see. I, just a lot. I think, um, you know, I don't love singles wards. So sure. I left the singles ward world um, earlier than when they kick you out. Yeah. <laughs> Just, was, it, was it just so I when I so I'm married, divorced and then remarried yeah. uh, in the time between my first and second marriage, I went to a singles ward one time and went, this is not the place for me to be able to thrive as an as a single individual and started going to a family ward. What what was it about the, the singles wards for those that are maybe part of singles wards that are looking to make things better? Or what was it about the family ward that they did right that made you go? This is the place that I should be. Yeah, I think on a church level and spiritual level, I, I also, I, I just felt it was arrested development for me uh-huh. and it may not be for everyone. Uh, but for me, you're in a singles ward. You don't have the opportunity to serve in certain ways, mm-hmm. you know, primary and young men and women and things like that, unless you get a state calling mm-hmm. in that, but you really are limiting yourself. I was limiting myself by staying in that as far as, uh, learning how to serve in different ways. And I also felt like it, it accentuated that culture of treating me differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are separating yourself mm. from the mainstream of how we are religious in this life. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh, let's separate you. You be different, but we're the same. Get right. it? Right. And so when I went to the family ward, I loved it. And thankfully, I had bishops that were so welcoming and and the wards in New York are very open to different things, right? Yeah. Different yep. people and yep. converts. And so I was, it felt very accepting and it was just seamless. You know, I got called to the Relief Society. I got put into the youth programs and I felt a part of the ward without being separate or different. I was just one, one of somebody. So, and, so many people in your similar situation struggle, right? Because so much of what is taught within the walls of the church is family and, you know, the internities. And, you know, you've heard about the anecdotal, you know, Relief Society lesson where it's like, I'm so grateful for my husband. And then they all look at Tara and go, yeah. uh, are you getting this? Do you get that right. we're talking oh, to you? Or, yet, yeah, oh, maybe yeah. someday. So, so how, right. do, how, do you, how do you navigate that? I think that would, being able to discuss open and honestly the challenges that you've had with that and then how you've muddled your way through it, I think can be really inspiring to folks. Thanks. And you know, I think it takes a group effort. I think it comes from, we, like I mentioned, my bishops, they were very aware of the diversity of the, the ward mm-hmm. and that, yes, there are single men and women 
and families, and all of them need different things and different discussions. Yet in a Relief Society lesson, when you have a single woman that is the Relief Society president, your lessons are geared towards a much more diverse group, Hmm. right? You're just thinking that way because it's like, oh, this Relief Society president doesn't have three kids and a husband like the one I had in Utah or Arizona or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're just a little more conscious of diversity. And I think everyone could benefit from that. If you look, even if you're in, you know, the middle of Salt Lake City, your Mm -hmm. ward's very diverse. You just have to open your eyes and see that. And so when somebody chooses to teach a lesson and to prepare something, yeah, absolutely. You're going to talk about families and raising children, but also about how can you build your own spiritual, you know, growth center at home and how, you know, let's talk about personal connection to God um, and how that might help you personally and with your family or your kids. Mm. So I think it's just wording it and being conscious of the fact that this is a religion teaching spirituality and your relationship one-on-one with God, and then how that applies to your situation. And then going for the hard question, Tara, you mentioned uh, that a few years ago you had called off a wedding, and I don't need to know all the particulars of it, but that I would imagine was a pretty difficult situation for a couple reasons. One, I would think that you're like, oh, no, this is the next step right here. I'm going to be able to grow into all these things. Gospel teaches family. Family, that's what when you get married, then you're able to have the family and move on. But what we don't talk about is knowing uh, if another person is right for you. So without getting maybe too deep into detail about it, I would be curious to to find out about that experience and how and how you knew and how you have felt guided since that experience. Thanks. I it's exactly that. It's it was that feeling of, oh, you know, it's okay that it's later in life. I found this person that I want to be with and we're going to get married and I'm going to still be able to have a family Mm -hmm. when I didn't think that was going to happen. So all of those feelings, it was exactly that. And and we dated for about four and a half, five years. And so it was hard. We were both later in our years of, you know, had never been married and, and we we're very cautious about it. And when we, you know, I, it was an on and off. I broke up several times um, just to make sure. And I wasn't, you know, I'd get an answer like, hey, this is your choice. And he was getting the answer of this is it. (laughs) And so you're wrestling with that. And uh, I made the choice. I said, I want to move forward with this. And it was kind of, (laughs) this is not to degrade the experience at all, but it was very similar to that experience I had at Martha Stewart, where I was like, I want this. I want to stay. I'm comfortable. This is the next step for me. Mm -hmm. There are going to be challenges. And Heavenly Father was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to make this so hard that you're going to realize this is not the next step. Mm. And it it took a lot of um, heartache and work to get to that because I wanted it. I knew jumping into marriage is there's challenges, there's hard things. And I thought, this is just what it is. And didn't realize that it was the wrong kind of hard things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, you're in it. I was pushing through it. I was trying so hard and it it wasn't the right the right kind of hard. Yeah. To share with you, so my first marriage was extremely hard and people always talk about marriage is hard. Marriage yeah. is a hard yeah. thing, right? So like these really difficult things would happen. I'm like, well, I guess that's uh I guess that's what they mean by hard. I I feel like this is maybe too hard, but people always say this is the hard, you know, thing about being married and then continued to be hard and then continued to get harder. And then at some point I'm like, you know, yeah, I may be a little dim, but I don't think that it's supposed to be this hard. Right. Right. I'm not supposed to feel like this mm-hmm. or yeah, it, it was, that's a hard decision to make, right? Especially yeah. in our culture when we're told pray about it, work through it, get a blessing. Yep. Meet, meet with the bishop. Go to a counselor. Do you? Yeah. Are, how are you praying? Are you? Are you fulfilling all your callings the way that it should be? Did you? And and it's a difference, although not much, but a difference because I had already gone through and been married. So then it was, you know, breaking. We weren't married in the temple, but breaking the life covenant to each other of being married and sort of mm-hmm. shame filled and all of these things. And I remember because I feel like you shared. I want to share too, so you don't feel like you're the only one hanging out on the vulnerable tree. Uh, when I left. I was like, listen, I deserve to be treated this way and I'm out. 
it was the scariest thing in the world. But I remember leaving and going, oh, I will never live here again. Like, mm-hmm. just like a confirmation of the spirit, but also like, yeah, you stood up for yourself in the way that you needed to. Here we go on the next adventure. Now, I cried a lot of times after that yeah. and questioned whether or not I had made the right choice a bunch of times and wondered, you know, maybe I didn't could have done this other thing this way or man should have done this, this, this and this, but walked away from it and was like, OK, next adventure. Here we go. And now being married over a year to my second wife and, and finding, oh, no, marriage is hard, but it's but it's this kind of hard, not that kind of hard. Right. And if I work and I do this, yes, there is a result. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is. It's two people making choices and you can't control the other person. Mm-hmm. You just have to find someone who's willing to make those choices along the way with you and, and work. So, um, so often, though, people within our culture, within our church, will sort of wait to lead their life until they have that other partner. You're mm-hmm. an example, obviously, of someone who didn't do that, but maybe speak to the, to the, the harm in doing something like that or the empowerment in not doing something like that. Well, good question, and I'm going to be super open and, and vulnerable here. As much as I have plowed forward with my life and I have created amazing friend relationships and had family and friends around me my whole life and and all those great connections and built a business and had a career, absolutely. I grew up in the church. In the back of my mind, there was always that, oh, when you get married, if you get married, oh, when you're a mom, you know, when you have kids. So that was, that's, that's in your mind all the time. It's just the culture. It's what you're around. And it, it took a while after calling that wedding off and realizing, oh, not when or if it's like, Hey, that that's not your life. And you will need to find happiness again Hmm. in being single. And I, I realized, you know, it was very tangible when I was in my mid thirties, I, I found this peace of being single and I was happy and I was fine with where my life was. And after I dated and had this experience, was engaged and called it off and my life had changed, you know, six, seven, eight years later, Mm -hmm. I still have not found that peace again and I'm working on it. And I think, oh, I, I found that peace. I was happy with this situation at one point. How do I get there again? So that's my... That's my goal. I don't know that it will happen. I want to, you know, I've learned and grown to the point where I want to say, okay, it's your choice to be happy and you get to choose to be happy. It doesn't just happen to you. So it's um, an everyday, you know, struggle and thought. So so is that the uncomfortable that you're in right now? Yeah, I think so. If if we're talking about being uncomfortable. um, Yeah, absolutely. I want to take another break. We'll come back in the third block. I want to talk about the future for Tara Teaspoon. What's on the horizon? And uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you. That's coming up in the third block of the cultural hall. (laughs) Traveling down to, uh, you know, not quite Austin, but basically if they got a temple in Austin... Uh, the wilds of Texas would be able to patronize mm-hmm. said temple. Uh, visiting with Chow yes. about living scriptures. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am well. It has been a while. I uh, I tried. I pulled real hard for there to be a temple announced in Austin. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it to October 2021 uh, general conference. You'll get it. We we just have a little bit of repenting to do okay. down here. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. it's fine. Fair enough. We just had a hard time with the face masks. Some yeah. of our people, and so you know, we're, this has been a bit humbling. So we'll we'll rally. We'll yeah. get it. Yep. So uh, and uh, I know also you need to start paying eleven percent. But we digress. <laughs> but we digress. Uh, what, yeah. What have you been watching on Living Scriptures? Well, so so many good things. I don't even know where to start. Almost because there's a lot of good stuff. My kids or me. Where do we start? Uh, I say we start with the kids because if we don't, they'll just get louder and louder and more disruptive, and then we'll never be able to finish. That is true. First up has been JJ the Jet Plane. Okay. It is a 1994 airplane version of Thomas the Train. That's the best way I can describe it, but it's good. It's, you know, airplanes animated with faces. 
Now, is Very it, safe. Is it by the same company that did Thomas the Tank Engine? I don't think so. Because I, I, mean, I, I saw Thomas the Tank Engine look like a plane recently, and I didn't know if someone yeah. had just sort of adapted it or if that's what this was. I No, I don't think this is the... I mean, it, I looked it up because sometimes when my kids watch stuff, I'm like, when is this from? When was animation this bad? When <laughs> when was the CGI not there yet, you know? And it was 94, so, you know, it's it's been a minute. And uh, it, it's still good you know, clean fun for my kids. And it's right on par for my train loving three-year-old who, you know, can finally watch something different. Now, is it, so, mo- is or, it morals and lessons that we're learning from JJ, the jet plane? Yeah. It's okay. teamwork. It's getting along with people. It's identifying, you know, not being a bully, mm. working together, that kind of stuff. So, so pretty progressive for the nineties. Good for JJ. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I, I mean, it was, we, we're loving it. We love, they love allegories. Allegories is a home run in this family any day of the week. I mean, I don't know if you've watched it, Richie, but it's, it's one of those things that like you watch as an adult when your kids aren't around and you think I will not tell anybody I'm doing this, <laughs> but this is cool. So, and, and allegories yeah. is their owls, correct? Yes. Yeah. There are these four owls and they learn from this owl professor. And there's this other bird that like is always trying to inhibit them learning. And they learn all they learn about is how everything is like a metaphor for Christ and for God. Hmm. So one episode is all about seeds. One episode is all about the sun. And they one is like about stars. And they just like think like, hmm, how does this remind me of God? How does this testify of Christ? And then they like report back to what they learn. And yeah, it's cute. Yeah. That's pretty cool actually. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So is that your secret indulgence or have you been watching something else? (laughs) Well, I've been watching other stuff. Um, (laughs) I've been watching, and this is another secret indulgence. I've, I watched the singles ward, which is on there. I mean, it's been a minute since I watched it. I thought, Oh yeah. It popped up as, as recently added to it. So I thought, I remember that one. I was, in a singles ward when that came out. So let's see if it like rings true. Is this still, you know, how have, how has this aged? How has the, uh, and parts of it, obviously we're not using the same type of cell phone that they had back then. If you were stuck at a steak dance that you didn't want to be at, you'd just call Lyft or Uber. You wouldn't just hang out. Yeah. 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 You'd be able to get out of that place. But, um, I mean, still some of the, some of the funny parts were still funny to me. So it was fun to, watch it again, I guess, and see those old faces that I had watched more than it feels like 20 years ago. I guess it's almost 20 years. Yeah, but, I was gonna yeah. Say. And, you, and you also kind of look back at it and see, okay, well, where are all these people now? Some within the church, some not in the church anymore and yeah. various projects, you know? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. I, and then I start Googling people and I think who wrote this, whose idea was this? Yeah. Cause this is, you know, I've, uh, I've watched, there's a bunch of Portland stuff that's available now, some documentaries, some, uh, historical reenactments. I think that goes along with where we're at and come follow me. There is a section on there. So this is weird. Let me tell you about this strange okay. part of living scriptures that I like. Ooh, I like when you there's... preface it with, this is weird. Let me tell you about this. <laughs> yes, please. So, uh, there's a section that's just called music and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. What's going on here? And it is like, there's a sing-along, there's like endless hours of sing-along of church songs that you can put up and it has like the words that bounce on the screen. Cool. Um, there is a classical 89 KBYU praise to the man, 200th celebration of Joseph Smith presentation on there that you can watch yeah um and and then they have a bunch of church hymns 170 church hymns uh with that were arranged by lex de azevedo and played by the london philharmonic orchestra and i the reason i say it's weird is because we could go to youtube for that Mm -hmm. right we can go to youtube and watch the playlist of the uh now tabernacle choir at temple square seeing all that. Well, guess what? I've done that now for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> I thought, I remember the start of the pandemic. I thought there's no way I'm making it through all of the tabernacle choirs music during this pandemic. They have endless stuff. Well, a year and a half later, I feel like I've listened to every playlist on YouTube uh-huh. that I can. Uh-huh. And so this was ne- nice and a new change for me to say, I'm going to play this and have it in the background and just have something nice going on. And it's not Oh, this again, you know, it was, 
it's variety. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's a weird that's that's a weird treasure. Yeah. <laughs> you got to dig down deep though. It's like near the boop, bottom. Boop, you keep boop, going. Boop, boop. <laughs> uh, Living Scriptures gives everybody a free month. There is a link as you find this episode at theculturalhall.com. A link you can click through, be able to get an entire free month of Living Scriptures and uh, affordable beyond that. Encourage you to do that. And please, if you do, if you're hearing this and you think, I want to give Living Scriptures a try, use the link that we provide. At, uh, it helps us because they go, oh, we recognize you guys as being valuable to us, and then they continue the relationship with us. So uh, even if you just want to check it out, maybe you have no thought Mm -hmm. to continue after the month, but you just want to know what this whole living scriptures thing is all about, uh, use that link that's at theculturalhall.com. Any uh, any last parting words, Chow, before we say Chow? I just think it's great. I, um, you know, there's times I think I want to know more about Emma Smith or whatever, and I'll just look through and see if they've got something, click on it and watch it. And it's great to just have a little refresher, you know, not have to go searching the web, but go to living scriptures and you can find what you want. Super easy, super thorough. So, yeah. And I know from talking to out. your husband, one of the things he loves about living scriptures is he knows that if he logs the kids on, he can just let them do whatever they want and he doesn't ever have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. so long as they stay within living scriptures. It's like, fine, stop asking here. Anything you yeah. guys want to watch here. Anything you want. Anything. And sometimes that's all a kid wants. They just want the freedom to choose. That's what I've noticed. They they don't want to, they just want to have the remote. They want to feel like the adult mm-hmm. that's pressing the buttons. And then they click on something and you think, why are we watching another? Okay, JJ, the plane it is. Yeah. We're, we're planes with faces. And so... <laughs> We'll do it. When was animation this bad? Chow, thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on and telling us about Living Scriptures. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, we'll get the finality of uh, Tara Teaspoon. We'll find out what her future is. But first, I want to recommend that you send us an email anytime you'd like. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. You've got great people that you follow online. You happen to know that they're members of the church. You can say, hey, you should reach out and interview those people. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. You know that email address also is open if you wanted to say, I really appreciate how open Tara was. I bet that was hard for her to share some of those things. I should share an email. You're more than welcome to do that there as well. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. Tara, what's the future? We're talking about uncomfortability. There's a little bit of uncomfortability now. Are you are you putting yourself out there more? Are you changing jobs and going to become a a CFO? What like what what's the future here? What are we doing? Oh man, if only I knew what the future was. That would be so easy. Yeah. Let's say I, I'm putting myself out there in ways, mm-hmm. not some, mm-hmm. but others. Uh, you know, my <laughs> I never wanted to be a business owner. I mm-hmm. never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Too much stress. Yeah, it just wasn't my passion. I think you kind of have to have a little bit of a passion to be like, I'm going to start this business and roll with it. Uh, but it 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 is what it is. And, and that was my opportunity. And I took it and I do enjoy parts of it. But man, I don't like wearing all the hats. Mm. Running your own business is hard. So the future to me is really just continuing on this path of, you know, put on one hat, take it off, put on another, working forward, building my business because I can see a light at the end of the tunnel of, you know, some successes and some growth. And I know the steps to get there. It mm-hmm. just takes work and time. And really, I'm happy with that path right now. And I'm, I'm happy with that light of the future that I see. So I'm working towards that as, you know, as far as my business and my life until some other door swings open. And, you know, I feel <laughs> <through> that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to kind of, like I said, take one step at a time in front of me because I can't even guess what will happen in my life. Yeah. And I don't want to take the time to be stressing about that. So I have plenty to stress about. What uh, what impact did uh, 2020 and the pandemic have on what you do? Did you find a, a boom or uh, a bust? Uh, a little of both. Hmm. If, if that's, if that's, um, you know, possible. I, <laughs> I came to Utah from New York for a business trip in March and got stranded here. I mean, that was the time where like flights were shutting down. I had packed for a 10 day trip and suddenly I'm living at my parents' house with three sweaters and two pairs of jeans, you know, like, and luckily I had come for a business trip. So I brought my computer and everything I needed. And the pandemic really 
taught me how to work remotely. I mean, it, it did for all of us, but I was sort of forced into this, you know, stay of four months. Oh my of, gosh. You know, yeah, working on a folding table and in, in a different kitchen without all of my equipment and stuff. And I was, because I have an online business, I was already sort of in that groove. So my business continued to go this year mm -hmm. and, or, you know, 2020 was, was hard. There were challenges and I was already set up online. So I, I kind of kept going and business changed. I did have some of those new opportunities. A lot of uh, companies reached out to me to do virtual work, mm -hmm. to do more video, to do, uh, you know, corporate cooking classes, things like that, that I'd never thought of. Mm -hmm. Nobody had, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so there were some new challenges and opportunities. I definitely have learned, hey, yeah, I can pick up my bag and my computer and work from anywhere. And it's great to have that freedom and that knowledge that you can do that and keep your business going. Yeah. And I know not everyone had that experience. You know, there are jobs that you can't do remotely that people were really struggling and I, I find myself feeling very lucky. Yeah. So the question I have with a job like that is, when are you moving to the beach so that you can do, you know, every every day Oceanside? <laughs> right. Why didn't I think of that? No, I have, of course. But, oh, Richie, the problem is I love New York. It's, it's home after, you know, 20 years. And I am not quite ready to leave it. Hmm. Beach or no beach. So Now, yeah. Tara, is it just because you're comfortable there? I know. I, I think it's comfortable, but my goodness, New York is so full of cool stuff and culture. And I love, I love the church there. I mm -hmm. love the diversity of the members of the church. I love my opportunities. I, I love that I can take a day trip to, you know, Boston or these, you know, historical towns and places up the Hudson River. I just still find all of that very fun and exciting and new after 20 years. And so it would take something to pull me away. So often we talk about how the church outside of Utah is different than the church inside of Utah. Do you think that's true? Uh, I think, I think the lines are getting closer, but I do, I really do think it's true. I think there is a culture in our religion and, and a way we think we should live our life. And once you get out of that culture, there are pockets all over the world of that culture. But once you get out of it and it's a spiritual choice to be a member of the church and learn and live the gospel, you find that your eyes are opened to different ways to do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the same. Hmm. Pretty cool, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I always recommend to anyone who's lived in Utah their whole life, even if they served a mission somewhere, to be like, hey, you know what? Just, just go there for a little bit. Where's there? No, I don't know. Just there. Just go experience that. And you can, I, I find that I can often tell those who have lived outside of Utah for a short time compared to those who have only ever lived in Utah. And it, and it may, you know, people may take uh, issue with this. I encourage you to email those issues to contact at the I'll address them full head on, but, uh, but it is different. It is different when you're having to come from an entire city to go worship together than a three block radius around your home. And yeah, and I'll tell you, I had a dear friend, a, a coworker that was is still a dear friend in New York, and knew very little about the church. And quite a few years ago, I was called to be the Relief Society president. Mm. And if you know a little about that calling, it takes a lot of time and energy and effort. Yeah, and you know, over the months, she would say, hey, you know, come over to dinner after work. And I'd say, oh, I've got a presidency meeting or, you know, hey, let's do this weekend trip. Oh, I've got to be at church for, you know, this calling. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm responsible. And our friendship started to sort of fall apart. You know, I wasn't able to spend that time with that connection and that relationship. And it, it was a bummer, sort of, you know, she didn't understand that culture, didn't understand how to work around it. And mm -hmm. I it was, you know, a new experience for me. And I remember the day I was released from the calling, I walked right up to her house after church. Mm -hmm. You walk in New York, right? Sure. So I walked right up there and I said, hey, I, I was released. I'm not in that calling anymore. She goes, ah, oh, Jesus let you go. <laughs> and she was so happy. <laughs> but just that she didn't understand. She was like, finally, I get my friend back, you know? 
But for us in our culture, that's just what we do. And we get a lot of gratification and a lot of growth from that. Um, but, you, you know, having different different friends in different places and it, it's you have to work through those things. You know, I, I, I hope that as we've discussed that I haven't put you in the single lady member of the church box. But but I do have another question around it that just sort of comes to mind as we've been discussing. With not meeting in church, I would assume that New York, based on what I know about New York, hasn't been meeting in person. Uh, you've been in Utah. I know most parts of Utah hasn't been meeting in person. How has that been for you with your like a religious observance on Sundays and, and being able to take the sacrament and, and, and some of those issues? Well, I'll tell you when the months of 2020 that I have been in Utah— um, I have family brothers and, and my father who, uh, we are able to have the sacrament in our home and it's, it's very special. And I've actually loved home church, mm-hmm. <laughs> no getting dressed up, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, um, in, in New York, yes, it, it changes things. I have friends who will sometimes, if, if we felt safe at certain times, get together and, uh, have the priesthood in somebody's home and, and have that ordinance be able to be performed. Uh, you have your ministers, you make, you make appointments. It's just one extra little step that you get to think about when you're a single woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, Oh, if, if I want to have that ordinance this Sunday, I need to arrange that and I need to make it happen. Uh, so it's just that extra step. It's not just built into my life. Uh, and that honestly, I love that having to think and put effort into that instead of just showing up everything's spread out for me. I've got somebody teaching me a lesson. I have the sacrament, you know, all of that. We have been able to say, oh, I want to sit and listen to that Zoom Sunday school, or I'm going to listen to that BYU professor because there's a video I can watch Mm -hmm. now, you know? And I have felt so much more gratified. I love it. There's not a lot of distractions. You're really choosing to learn the gospel and, and, have that Sunday moment yourself. That's pretty powerful. I like that. I like that. And I appreciate you indulging me in some of those questions. Yeah. Uh, there are three other questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you now. The first question is, Is do you have a calling currently? And if so, what is it? I do. I, <laughs> I'm the second counselor in the primary, which okay. I love. But guess what? I was called just before this whole pandemic thing happened. And I really, it's been remote. So I haven't been able to be with those cute little kids and work with the presidency much. Uh, But that's my current calling. (laughs) If you could pick one for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Ooh, it is... It is a tie between a couple, I think. I, I have been a Relief Society teacher before, and I love that. So I, I'd be happy to go back to that. But really, my passion lies in lunch coordinator. So, you know, we need a lunch coordinator. <laughs> You're going to have to expound, because where it's a made-up calling, I don't know that I understand you don't know that, yeah. the full Yeah, so scope. let me explain this calling to you. Uh, my vision is that no matter when your church is, you uh-huh. need a meal after church. Amen, sister. Right. And and you just want it there. You're hungry. The kids are cranky. And, you know, we just need somebody to coordinate that meal. (laughs) (laughs) That may be one of the greatest callings I've ever heard. Now, under under lunch coordinator, is this like a uh, a grab and go on my way out of sacrament meeting? Or are you like, hey, um, these goods will be distributed to your home in a box? You know, I think word by word, you'd have to discuss that need. Yeah. Yeah. I need, you, I need you to figure out how we can scale this and make this, uh, you know, nationwide, maybe churchwide. And when we visit again in the future, we can have some follow-up about that. Done and done. I think yeah. it'll happen. Find the link for that at terrateaspoon.com. And then lastly, uh, the question that we ask everyone to interpret however they will is, what is your favorite part of your faith? Mm. You know, as a still very active, uh, faithful single woman in my 40s, when so many of my friends have walked away from things, I often look at my faith and say, why am I here? What, what is keeping me here? And it really, there's so many things. And I think part of it is my faith, my choice to be part of the gospel and have a relationship with God is, is current and real. And it's not based in tradition that doesn't exist anymore. It's, I can get revelation. I can pray. I can 
be around people who are actively doing that themselves. And we have a living God that will speak to us, that will guide us, that is there for us and prophets and leaders of the church that are constantly learning and just in the now of living the gospel. And I love that, that it's, it's in the now. My faith is now. It's not something I'm just basing off of like some old frivolous thought. Mm-hmm. It's now and I can live it and I can have it be part of my life. And it, it's just true and there. Tara, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat.